0: Welcome to New Birth Christian Ministries. We are glad you are joining us today. Our services will begin shortly. Here at New Birth, our mission is to transform our families, our schools, our community, and our city by introducing everyone to Jesus Christ. Our prayer is that Christ will change their hearts and baptize them into His family by the Holy Spirit called New Birth. The New Birth experience will begin shortly. For every person who's in the sanctuary or watching online... We ask that right now you would quiet their spirit, quiet their mind. We cast out every single distraction, every single lie, every single trick of the enemy that will come and to try to be louder than you, we cast it to the pits of hell from which it came from. Let nothing block your word. Let nothing block your truth. Let us leave here today ready to do your work. Feeling stronger, feeling wiser, feeling as if we had an encounter with you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. When you look at that text, you see that he entered into the house. They immediately come and get him. They tell him that Simon's mother-in-law has a great fever. He immediately goes to her. He touches her by the hand. The fever leaves immediately. The first thing that we're going to look at today is the potential of his power. We follow Jesus because of the potential of his power. He is all-powerful. He is all-knowing. He is the authority. And at any given moment, at any given time, he has the potential to show up and show out. But it's all based on his own decision. It's the potential of his power. Now, when you look at what just occurred, remember last week we left Jesus. He was in the synagogue casting out an unclean spirit. This week we pick back up. And he's now in Simon's house. And at Simon's house, they've been dealing with some sickness inside the house. So he leaves the church and runs into ministry. Okay, I'll say it again. He leaves working in the church and then goes to a house where he now has to do more ministry. The first thing I want you to understand that's a part of the potential of his power is that you must be prepared to leave church and run into work. Okay, I'm not talking about your job. I'm not talking about your nine to five. I'm talking about leaving church and getting to your assignment. When you leave here, you should be looking for ministry. The moment you reach the parking lot, you should be looking for who you can share the gospel with. The moment you hit the car, you should be asking yourself, who can I pray for? The moment you leave this place, you should be saying, who can I encourage with the word I just heard today? How can I edify someone else? Sunday afternoon should be an overflow of your Sunday morning. Jesus is in the church leaves the church, goes to the streets, goes to the house and does ministry. He has a ministry that was not only private but was also public. He operates both in the public and the private. How is it that he goes from the synagogue calling out demons to then he goes into the house where he can get rid of the sickness? His fame had spread all over Galilee. His fame had spread all over the place and now he's inside behind closed doors and he shows you that he works in the church but he also works in the house he showed up during service but also when the service was over he still was doing work okay uh, we got to learn to be a people who do not turn it off when church is over see we can't be a people who are prepared to work when the church is watching but unavailable when the spotlight is turned off We cannot be a people who can praise as long as the music is loud and the crowds are in front of us, but you got to be able to dance and honor God even when the music stops. You got to be able to shout even when there is no music. You got to be able to dance even when there is no keyboard, when there is no drummer, when there is no guitar. Will you praise even when the praise team is not around? Will you still give them glory when everybody else is not into it? Will you still be able to preach the truth even when they don't shout your back, amen? Will you still bless God even when there's no audience to cheer you on? Will you still have the same kind of shout you got Sunday morning that you got at your house on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday? Or are you the type of person that only can do it when you got an audience? Will you shout during service but also shout in your home? Will you pray at the altar but also pray in your living room? Jesus leaves the church and runs into ministry, and we think that the only ministry we got is in a church. But he's showing us that God has something greater for you. He's showing us that many of us pass up ministry on the way to ministry. There are people that we see and we pass on the way to church that he's called us to give the word to, but we're so busy trying to get into the house that we miss the opportunity to give them the word. And we must be prepared for ministry when we leave the church. We always think ministry is reserved for the church. No, ministry is also when you leave the church. Jesus leaves the church, goes into the house. He's concerned about the church, but he's also concerned about the individual. He's concerned about the major things, but he's also concerned about the things that are happening in your life behind closed doors. There are some things that you don't want to talk about that you don't want to share. But guess what? He's concerned about those things as well. I love how the text tells me that it's Simon's mother-in-law that has fever. If you look at this parallel in the book of Luke, Luke tells us that she had great fever. Um, It means it was a major issue. It means that what she was dealing with was not something that was minor, but it was a great issue. It says that they all came and told Jesus about it, told him what was going on, and immediately Jesus gets up and goes and takes her hand and lifts her up. Look at the urgency and the attention that Jesus gives to the situation. He does not delay. Instead, he treats Simon's mother-in-law as if it was his own mother-in-law. What was important to them became important to Jesus. There was a compassion, there was an empathy that he displayed that you and I must learn to follow. See, we live in a world that says things like, well, that's their problem, that's their issue. We live in a world where if it does not impact my house, if it does not impact my family, if it does not impact my wallet, then I do not concern myself with it. We are so concerned with me, 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 but Jesus is showing us that that should not be the type of mindset that we have. When will we learn to be like Jesus and be able to say, if it's important to you, it's important to me. If it's hurting you, then it's hurting me. If it's an issue for you, it's an issue for me. When will we learn to have have compassion for the person sitting next to us who got things going on in their life, and we have the same type of urgency to say, if it's concerning you, then it's concerning me. We got to learn to move with some urgency. Jesus goes, he lifts her up, and immediately the fever is gone. She was in a state where she could not get up, which is why the Bible tells you that when he touched her, he lifted her up. In other words, she was in a state where she could not do, but the moment Jesus comes into the picture, the entire situation is turned upside down. Someone who was down is now up. Someone who was sick is now healed someone who was broken is now fixed okay there are some assignments that you and i need to get serious about need to get working on because there are some sick people around us that need the Jesus you and i have the one we come and we shout about every sunday the one we come and we dance about every sunday that's the jesus they need but if you never tell them about it they'll remain sick they'll remain down and out there are some people around us dealing with some great fever and they are in need of the jesus that you and and not have, but the question I want to ask you this morning is do you only keep them in church? See, as long as I refuse to bring Jesus into the house, they'll remain sick. As long as I'm apprehensive about bringing Jesus into the job, they'll stay broken. As long as you try to only regulate Jesus to the confines of the church walls, then we'll never be able to see the sick be healed. What I love about the text is how Mark tells us a detail about Simon's mother-in-law and shows us that she was ready to follow Jesus. How do I know this? Well, look at Mark 1.31. Mark 1.31 tells us something important. It says that, and he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and immediately the fever left her, and she ministered unto them. Okay, look at what she did after she got healed. She got herself up. And got to work. The text says she got healed and then she ministered unto Jesus. She got healed and she ministered unto the people in the house. The moment she was able to start serving, she did it. The moment she was given the opportunity to get to work, she got to work. There was a desire in her, I believe, for her to have always gotten to work. And the moment she could get to work, she did it. She did not come to Jesus asking him for more things. She said, listen, you healed me. Now I can get back to work. And what I want to share with you this morning is many of us in here have been healed from some things. We've been delivered from some things, but we're still not working. She goes to Jesus and says, You gave me exactly what I need to be impactful. When is the last time you had this kind of attitude that said, You know, what I got is good enough. What I got is just enough. What I got is all I need to be able to be effective and to be able to serve. You've been waiting for your bank account to fill up before you serve. You've been waiting for your degree to come before you serve. You've been waiting for all the answers to come before you serve. But God is saying, I've given you everything you have right now now everything at your disposal, everything in your hand for you to be able to get up and serve. Listen, let me tell you how you know you can serve. If you got life in your body right now, you are equipped to serve. If he woke you up this morning, you can serve. If you got breath in your lungs, you can serve. If you can wave your hand, you can serve. When you consider the fact that God has lifted you up, That should be enough. you to serve any way you can. When you consider and you begin to testify to yourself, is there anybody who used to be down and out? Is there anybody who was down in the pit? Is there anybody who thought they would not be able to make it? You wanted to give up, did not expect yourself to even be alive today? Listen, the enemy been trying you all week, but you made it into the house on Sunday. Well, guess what? That is Jesus lifting you up, taking your hand and saying what? You're equipped to serve. You ain't gotta have it all figured out. You ain't got to have a degree. You ain't got to wait for the call. He already called you when he woke you up this morning. If he gave you 24 more hours, guess what? You can serve. When you consider that you were down with great fever, that you were lost, you were broken, you did not even think you would see today but Jesus. That alone should quicken something on the inside of you to make you want to get up and get to work. The text says she ministered unto them. And since Jesus ministered unto us, we must learn to in turn serve him. Now look at verse 32. It says that at even, evening is what that means, when the sun did set, they brought unto him all that were diseased and them that were possessed with devils. And all the city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many that were sick of diverse diseases and cast out many devils and suffered not the devils to speak because they knew him. Okay, look at the text. Remember earlier that day, Jesus is actually in the sanctuary. He's in the synagogue. And in the synagogue, he delivers somebody of an unclean spirit. So in the synagogue, what he does is he deals with the demonic or the spiritual, in the synagogue. Now, I believe that what they saw inside the synagogue is what they ran out and told everybody else in Galilee, which allowed his fame to spread all through Galilee. So those who seen what he did inside the church... Begin to go and tell everybody else about his authority over demons and his authority to be able to teach and preach the gospel. So, every person who heard about him at that point had heard what he could do for the spirit man. But then that afternoon, he goes into the house. Simon says, My mother has great fever. He delivers Simon's mother from great fever. And I believe that those who were in the house went and told everybody else about what he did to the sickness that was in the house. So on one end, you had a bunch of people talking about what he did inside the church. And on the other end, you had a bunch of people talking about what he did at the house. On one end, you had a bunch of people talking about how he can cast out demons, and on the other end, everybody talked about how we can deal with your sickness. I'm going somewhere here. Okay, whenever you have an issue in your body, you do not go to an eye doctor to deal with your back. And you do not go to somebody else who only deals with your back to deal with your eyes. But if you look at what happens with Jesus, the Bible tells us that all these people came to the door and there were some who had diverse diseases and other ones who had demons, which means that the people who went out to talk about the demons gathered the people who had issues with demons. And the people who talked about the sickness gathered people who dealt with the sickness. Listen, all of them could go to one place because this one Jesus does not only specialize in one thing, okay? this is why you should not be ashamed of your testimony because there's some people who he delivered from addiction so you can go and tell everybody who's addicted to something that he can bring you out of your addiction there are some people who got delivered from a suicidal spirit so you can go tell everybody about what he did for you what I want to tell you this morning is whatever he did for you you better go and talk about it because there's an audience that needs to hear about it it don't matter what you did been through or what you came through I got something for that. I don't care what you're dealing with. I got something for that. I don't care how bad it is. I got something for that. And that something is Jesus. I don't care that your testimony ain't like my testimony. God has called you to go and share your testimony because it will be your testimony that's going to bring people who are going through the same thing you went through, going through the same thing you just got through. I don't care if you don't want to talk about the case that you got going on. You better share your case with somebody else so they don't make the same mistake that you made. I don't care about your divorce. You better talk about your divorce so that God can get the glory out of it and give somebody else an opportunity to not make the same mistake you may have made? Is there anybody who wants to be a testimony for the kingdom to draw some people to the doors of Jesus? It says the same day that he went to the church and got rid of the unclean spirit, The same day that he went to the house and delivered her of sickness, it says the same day once the sun went down that people came from all over to come to the house. The reason they waited till the sun went down is because it was the Sabbath day. They couldn't really go anywhere. And now the sun is down, and the entire city is gathered at his door. The people from one place shared what he did with the unclean spirit, and caused all kind of people with unclean spirits to show up. Then people from the house talked about what he did, and everybody who had sickness they showed up. People with issues came to the door. People with problems came to the door. People who were hurt came to the door. People with demons came to the. Okay, listen. You may not. I understand this, but stop looking at people funny when they come to the door, because this is where they're supposed to be. This is where they get deliverance. This is where they get healed. You better quit turning up your nose at people when they come to the house to get healed. This is where they should be. This should be a hospital. This should be a house of delivery. This should be a house of getting some things out of some people. You better get ready for what God is sending your way, or you can keep on moving, because this is going to be a place where the demonic may come, where the people with sickness may come, but guess what? We got something for them. We got some power for them. I ain't talking about a song. I ain't talking about no preaching. I'm talking about the Holy Ghost power to deliver some people from some stuff. Now, when they came to the house, the text does not say that Jesus told them to meet me at the church. He does, not, he does not say, uh, I only do that on Sunday at the church. But instead, he dealt with it right then and there. And what I need you to understand is this. His power is not regulated to the sanctuary. But he can change you anywhere he chooses to change you. He can change you at any moment he decides to change you. We have this idea that you got to wait till the altar opens before you can start getting your healing. No, 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 listen, uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit, you can get your healing right there in Target. Right in the midst of you buying more stuff that you don't need, the Holy Spirit will grab you and start changing your life from the inside out. We think we got to wait until Sunday morning at 9 a.m. and 1130 service, but listen, breakthrough is possible on Saturday morning when you're watching your cartoons. Listen, you got to stop thinking that Jesus only offers his healing inside of the house, but he's also available in your house. And there's an issue that we think that we got to wait for the elder or the pastor or the deacon to, to come and lay hands on us. But listen, the potential for your healing is always there. The potential for the greatness is always there. You just got your healing. not. I mean, you got your faith in the wrong place as opposed to your faith being in Jesus who can provide your healing at that point in time. We looking for man to come and blow on us and throw a towel on us and throw some oil in our face. When you better understand the real healing comes from Jesus and so we follow Jesus because the potential of his power he has all power which means he has the ability to show up at any moment in my life now listen Jesus has just done all these great things it says that at evening everybody came at evening everybody came to the house and the text tells us that he dealt with every single person that came to the house he cast out every demon he healed every sickness Every single person that came to the house left changed when they met Jesus. Then in verse 35, look at what it says. It says, and in the morning, this means after all that happened, in the morning, rising up a great while before day. So it says, he got up very early in the morning. He went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed. See, this right here was the anchor Of his ministry. He understood the power of prayer. This was the point of his power. Prayer was the source of his power because it is through prayer that you and I are able to commune and connect with God our Father. Listen, when your prayer life is off, your life will be off. When you have not made time to talk to God, your life will be in shambles. Can anybody testify that when your prayer life is all messed up, everything is all wrong in your life? Um, Prayer is the most important thing, but we want to do everything but pray. We want to yell. We want to fight. We want to cuss. We want to call up everybody. Instead of stopping and praying, how is it that Jesus is a hundred percent God. He is deity. He is God in the flesh, yet he stops and makes time to get up early in the morning to go and talk to his father. And everything in his ministry is going good. He's just cast out demons. He's just caused people who are sick to be healed. He had people who were possessed to no longer be possessed. His fame is spreading all through the city. His church is packed. Listen, people are coming to see him. People are showing up. His ministry is going well. But yet he wakes up in the morning and goes to pray. Okay, you and I got to learn. Not to only pray when things are going wrong, but we got to learn to pray even in our success. You better learn to pray when the bank account is full. You better learn to pray when your kids is acting right. You better learn to pray when your marriage is going good. You better learn to pray even in your success because it's in my success that I often forget who gave it to me. Okay, when the money is flowing, that's when I forget who provided the money. But when I need the money, my prayer is different. When the bills are stacked up, I pray a little bit harder. But when the bills are handled, I forget who handled the bills. When my health is good, I may not be in God's face as much. When the family situation is good, then I may not be as fervent. But these are the times you should be equally in God's face when things are going well, which is why when Luke is speaking to us, he tells us that Jesus says, men ought to always pray. When it's bad, you better pray. When it's good, you better pray. In the morning, you better pray. In the nighttime, you better pray. Men should always pray because Jesus was always praying. Jesus understood that since he put on flesh, his flesh would be weary, his flesh would be tempted, his flesh would be in a situation that sometimes would try to overtake him. So he realized that his job was to always be praying and staying in communion with the Father. He shows us power through prayer, and look at how often Jesus prayed. If you look all through scripture, you'll notice that he prayed all the time. He prayed at his own baptism. It was a holy occasion, so he began to pray at his own baptism. He goes into the wilderness, and he prays for 40 days and 40 nights, and in his prayer and fasting, that's how he overcomes temptation. He prayed before he even chose the 12 disciples. Before he chose the apostles, he prayed. Um, It says that Luke 6, 12 through 17, write this down. Um, It says, one day, soon afterward, Jesus went up to a mountain to pray. And he prayed to God all night, and at daybreak, he called together all his disciples and chose 12 of them to be apostles. Okay, what I want you to understand is before you start just hanging out with any old body, you better start being in prayer about it. Okay, I'll say it for the people over here. Um, before you start making friendships, before you decide who you're going to be in covenant relationships with, before you decide who you're going to go to the movies with, before you decide who you start kicking it with, you better be in some prayer about it. How is it that Jesus spent all night praying before he chose the 12 brothers that would be in his inner circle? Even Jesus had to pray about who he would allow to be close to him. And we're allowing people in our lives, people to take up our time, people to take up our any time, minutes people to take up all our text messages people to take up all of our money that we ain't even prayed about having them in our life and we wonder why our life is so chaotic it's because we have not communed with the father everybody is not meant to walk with you on your journey everybody's not meant to be in close proximity with you. Everybody's not meant to be in close relationship with you. I can be cool with you, but not always hang with you. Jesus prayed all night before calling somebody homie. Before calling somebody his day one, he prayed all night. Um, another time he prayed, he, he, he prayed before he even walked on water. In Mark six forty six, um. Before he walked on water, Jesus was actually praying in the mountain. He's in the mountain praying. He's spending time with God. He's prioritizing his relationship. He comes out, and he sees the disciples out there on the water with the boat rocking all crazy, being all afraid in the storm. He just finishes praying, sees the disciples out there in the water, and he says, you know what? They need some help. And this is him walking on water to go help his disciples. He does it after his prayer. Another time he prays for them, he prays for people on the cross. He says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they begin to cast and roll dice for his clothes. He didn't just pray on the cross, but he also prayed when he was feeling despair. He said, Father, why have thou forsaken me? In his pain, he prayed, okay. Before raising Lazarus from the dead, what did he do? He prayed. What I need you to understand is before you start dealing with some dead situations, you better learn to pray about it first. Because there may be some things you are trying to resurrect that God is saying, I need that thing to stay dead. In the garden of Gethsemane, he prays. Even when you don't want to move forward, you better learn how to pray. Even when you don't want to pick up your cross, you better learn how to pray. Even when you want this cup to pass from you, you better learn how to pray. He prayed at every single pivotal moment in his life. So how much more do you think you and I, who are full of flesh and not deity, need to be praying and communing with God every single day? It's through prayer that we find power, and if you don't, Pray, your life will be in shambles. You don't got to be an expert in prayer. You just got to trust the expert. Okay, we follow him because he shows us his power in miracles. He proved his deity. The miracles were to prove his deity. We follow him in our prayer life. He shows us his power in prayer. Now, if you look at what he does with his ministry in Mark 1, 35-39, I want to show you this. I'll let you go home. It says, and in the morning, rising up a great while before day, He went out and departed into a solitary place, and there he prayed. And Simon and they that were with him followed after him. So they went chasing after him, went to go look for him. And when they finally found him, they said unto him, All men seek for thee. Remember, his ministry is flourishing. People are coming from all over the place to get healing, to get delivered from sickness, to get what Jesus offers. They want the miracles. But look at what Jesus says to him in verse 38. Jesus says, let us go into the next towns that I may preach there also. For therefore came I forth. Let me show you what Jesus says. He says, I get it. Everybody's at the house. They want healing. I get it. Everybody's looking for me. They want demons to be cast out. I get it. Everybody wants the miracle. But I didn't come here to do miracles. He said, I came here to preach. And then the text tells us in verse 39 that he went to all their synagogues throughout Galilee. He preached and he cast out devils. After an entire day of ministry, after getting up in the morning to go and pray, the others came looking for him and they said, listen, everybody heard about what you did. Jesus says, I want to go to the next city and do what I came here to do. Um, What I want you to understand is that He had priority with his power. Now, what do I mean by that? The priority of his power was not so that you and I could be healed. I know you don't like that, but I got to be honest with you. There are some things that you're going to die with on this side of heaven that you are not going to wake up with on that side of heaven, no. Okay. See, see... We've been bamboozled into thinking that this is a vending machine type of Jesus, that we can just put in and get out what we want, that he's required to heal me from every sickness, required to heal me from every pain. Listen, he has the potential to, but it does not mean he has to do it. Jesus says, they're coming to me to get the miracles and to see the great things that I've done, but that's not the reason I came. I came to preach and tell them about the kingdom because if you can get kingdom, you can live through your sickness. I did not come just to make the lame walk. I did not come just to make the blind see. I did not come to just cast out demons. I came to preach the kingdom. I came to preach repent. I came to preach believe. Because unless you accept me as Christ, you can be healed physically, but be messed up spiritually. His priority was not a physical healing, but he wanted us to be spiritually whole. We follow him. So that we can be spiritually whole. Listen, beware of people who come to you claiming they have the power to heal. Even if they claim they can lay hands and heal... It is not them that did the healing, but it's power giving from the Holy Spirit that did the healing for you. Never let somebody trick you into buying some cloths or some water or telling you to give more money and you'll be healed. Because listen, there is no power in the money. There's no power in the cloth. There's no power in the water. The only power is given in Jesus. And what Jesus shows us is I don't want you to focus on the miracles and miss salvation. Okay, think about what he says. He says, let's move on to the next city so I can continue my message. He didn't want the miracles to overshadow the message. We so busy chasing miracles, we miss out on the message. This is why when Jesus would heal sometimes, he would say, now go away. And don't tell anybody about the miracle or don't tell anybody about what I did. And many times, the person he told not to do it would tell anyway. Okay, this sounds crazy. This may sound crazy. But they were so focused on the miracle, it caused them to disobey what God said. And we get so focused on the miracle that we miss the message of the kingdom. He does not come to give us prosperity and to give us wealth and to give us things. He does not come to give us houses and to give us cars, but He came to sanctify us and make us whole and make us full of His Spirit. That's what He came for. And everybody wants the cars, they want the houses, but they don't want sanctification. And let me tell you something. It's the sanctification that's going to help me keep the house. It's the sanctification that's going to help me keep the car. It's the sanctification that's going to Help me keep my marriage. It's the sanctification that's gonna give me a mindset to walk through my depression. It is the sanctification that's gonna make me whole, and we want miracles and not the message. He tells us in First Thessalonians 5:23, he says, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. He said, I'll sanctify you fully, and I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, many of us can testify that we had money, but we were still broken. Many of us can testify that had a bunch of people around us, very popular, but we were still lonely. We had things, but we still wanted more. But when you got Jesus, you begin to feel a regeneration process, a newness that was not tied to the things that you had. I can testify that money is not enough. Fame is not enough. Things are not enough. We need Jesus. We need to be made whole. I'm not here to teach you about a Jesus who is in demand for your physical needs. I'm here to teach you about a Jesus who desires to make you whole. He'd been working from morning to morning, evening to evening, casting out and healing. And we see that in his deity, he not only dealt with the unclean spirits, but the sickness also had to flee. He was showing us that he was here to bring a different type of kingdom. In Colossians 1.13, it tells us, it says, who have delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. The kingdom is his. This kingdom that we talk about gives us freedom over darkness. And so we follow him because he has power over the kingdom of darkness and he's translated us into the kingdom of light. I want you to hear this. His priority for you is your spiritual healing. His priority for me is spiritual healing. We've been praying about things we been praying about jobs, careers, raises, more money. We want the relationship to be fixed. We're looking for the wife. We're looking for the husband. Looking for someone to love us. He's not here for your physical needs. But he's here to heal you spiritually. Because when he heals you spiritually, you'll stop chasing the things If you're tired of being tired, if you're tired of being lost, you're tired of feeling empty, today is the perfect day for you because we have someone who can deal with your need. Now, this may be difficult and it's going to stretch you a little bit, but if you're in the house today, And you're not here asking for the physical things. You're not asking for material things. But there's something you need from God. Spiritually, you need something from God. You need a healing from God. You want to be made whole. You're tired of chasing. You're tired of wondering. You're tired of trying to figure it out on your own. If that's you... I want you to take the first step of the rest of your life and make your way to the altar. If you're here, you've had the physical things, you've had the material things, but you now desire the spiritual healing, we thank God for you coming. I want you to make your way to the altar. We're not just preaching about miracles and about things. Come on. You're wondering why you keep on trying to chase and why you keep on trying to get and why you feel empty. Because no matter how much you get, if your spirit is not whole, you'll always be chasing more. As our altar workers come. to workers, make sure we ask about salvation. Make sure we ask about salvation. Listen, there was a a father and a son and they were trying to outrun a fire. The fire was growing and it was headed towards them. And so the father and son are trying to outrun the fire, but it's getting closer and closer. It's getting larger and larger. And as the fire got closer, the father, he dug a ditch around him and his son. And that particular ditch around him and his son had caught on fire, burned up. So as the bigger fire was coming, the son kept on saying to the father, he kept saying, Dad, we got to go. We got to run. We got to go. The dad told the son, he said, Son, sit still. It's okay. Sit sit still. The son said, No, the fire is getting close. The father said, Trust me. He told the son, The reason the larger fire could not get to us is because this area has already been touched by fire. There's nothing else that could burn it up. Okay. What I want you to understand is this the reason we put our trust in Jesus is because he's already been consumed by the fire and defeated the fire for us. There is no fire that can overcome him. And so while you and I are struggling to run from the fire and trying to outrun the evil one, we got to learn to stand on nothing but Jesus alone because he already defeated the fire that's coming our way. If you're here today, And you're tired of running from the fire on your own. Make your way to the altar. To say I stand on Jesus and Jesus alone. We're talking about your spiritual healing. Will you trust him today? Will you believe him today? That he can make you whole again that he can restore your life, that he can restore your confidence, that he can restore what you think about yourself, and he can fix how you've been dealing with the issues of your life. Don't leave here the same way you walked in. There's healing for you. There's opportunity for you.